The scripture reading is from Book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 37 to 47. And if you are using the Bible provided for you, you can find the passage on page 910. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the, of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Volta, for reading that. I do encourage you to have uh, your copy of God's Word open to the text that was just read for us here uh, in Acts chapter 2. Um, one thing I meant to mention, my son reminded me, um, the gym floor is being redone, uh, cleaned and putting new tape down for the Iwana year, so that's closed. So if you're in the habit of heading to the gym after the service for uh, something, then um, uh, please don't today, all right, fellowship in other places, right, so um, but anyway, just want to make mention of that, uh, so we're in Acts chapter 2, and uh, we're, uh, we're, we're grateful to study this together today, I uh, just saw Mark Millman just walked in here, Iron Man traffic probably got him, uh, he told me he'd be in church today, Mark is the director of church planting and uh, I don't know what your full title is and everything, but with the Southern Wisconsin Baptist Association. And so uh, he's, you can raise your hand, Mark. There you go. Okay, there he is. Um, That's part of the SBC, which that's one of the associations that we partner with. And so the trailer that we used last night at Part in the Yard came from from them. And so uh, we're grateful for that. And so after the service, you know, be sure to introduce yourself to Mark. And uh, we're glad that you could be here today. We're in Acts chapter 2. Now, Sunday Seminary, this is a, a, a new series, but it's not really a series because I'm only going to do this for one Sunday, so you can't really call it a series. But it will be a series one day, and it's going to be a series that I kind of come back to. And what it means is, what I thought is, and because the preaching calendar kind of got, uh, you know, messed up a little bit here uh, in this last quarter, which is perfectly fine, or, you know, we go by what the, the Spirit of God does here. And so it's, uh, you know, you make your plans, and sometimes you got to change them. And so I was going to take about four weeks or so and do this series where we we're going to take theological concepts and just kind of dive into them a little bit. 
uh, maybe more of a, a lecture format or something that maybe I would do if I'm teaching a class or something. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to do one, and then next week we're starting the, the new series that we've been uh, you know, promoting and pushing. And so uh, that's why we only have this one uh, uh, concept today, just one, one standalone sermon, if you will. But I will be coming back to this, so maybe if there's a time in the preaching calendar uh, next year when we have two or three weeks in between series or something like this, I'll probably bring this back. And so if there's a theological concept or if there's a, a doctrine that you would love for me to discuss in one of these series or one of these sermons, rather, uh, let me know because I'd be happy to, to work that into this. And um, uh, of course, I always have veto power. So just because you give me the idea doesn't mean I'm going to do it, okay? You know, but, uh, but I would love to hear what you have. Uh, maybe you enjoy learning about. So what we're going to talk about today, though, is this idea of fellowship. Now, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, these are uh, what the early church, that first church as it was being um, uh, formed, they became devoted to these four things. It says that one of them is fellowship. Uh, when I was a kid, our church, uh, the church I grew up attending, we had the, ter- the church name was Faith Baptist Church. And so we had what was called Faith Family Fellowships uh, every so often. And we would gather in the gym or we'd gather in the fellowship hall uh, before the, the days that the gym was there. And uh, when, I was, when I was younger, we'd gather in the fellowship hall and we would, we would have food together. That, that's what it meant. And I remember is after, sometimes after Sunday morning service, usually it was after an evening service where we would say, oh, it's Faith Family Fellowship tonight. And I was always happy because that meant I get to eat at church that Sunday, right? And so as a kid, that's what I was looking forward to. Um, we, we talk about uh, Fifth Sunday Fellowship sometimes. I was part of another ministry where every time that we had a, um, a Fifth Sunday in a, in a month, we would uh, have lunch together. And so we would, we would, after the service, we'd have lunch together and have a little worship service and then be done for the day. We call those Fifth Family or Fifth Sunday Fellowships. Uh, and then, uh, you know, so I don't know if you, you sense the theme of food or not yet, but uh, that's just kind of what's going on here. But then we have, you know, some churches, they call actually their, um, their Sunday school classes, they'll call them ABFs or a Adult Bible Fellowships is what they'll have as well. Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes is an organization that this word fellowship is. You see what I'm doing? I'm showing how we use this word fellowship in a lot of different contexts. But the question is, what, what does it really mean? What do we mean by fellowship? Or more importantly, what does the Bible mean about fellowship? And so what I'm going to do is over the next few minutes here, I'm going to uh, raise four questions and hopefully answer them that's helpful to me. So I'm going to raise the question of what is biblical fellowship? How important is fellowship? What are some common hindrances to fellowship? And how do we foster fellowship here at NBC? That's where we're planning on going today. So I'm going to pause, ask God's blessing, and uh, then we'll, 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 we'll dive into this. Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to look at this text. And I, I, I pray in the subject of fellowship, Lord, I pray that as I communicate now, I communicate in a way that's helpful, that's accurate to the text, that's used by your Spirit. I pray that I would be guided by your Spirit. Um, 
Lord, if anything positive is going to happen as a result of the sermon, um, in the end, it's going to be because of what you do with it. It's going to be your enabling me to communicate in a way that's helpful. It's going to be your using your word to impact the hearts of people who are gathered here today. It's going to be you. And so we want everything to be about you right now. We want you to receive the glory and honor. We are depending on you, and we are grateful to you, and we love you. So thank you that we can gather together here and I pray that this time in your word is helpful. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. All right, first of all, what is fellowship? The word is used uh, in the New Testament. The word is used uh, 19 different times in the New Testament here. And uh, uh, Paul uses it 14 of those times. And so you can see that he kind of has the cornerstone of this word. Uh, some of you have probably heard the word that's used as underneath this, koinonia. Um, it, John uses that word four times in his first John, the book of first John alone. This is the only time where Luke uses the term fellowship here uh, in terms of, uh, of fellowship here. So what we see is we see that there is a, a wide usage in the New Testament. Testament, but primarily in Paul's writings, a little bit in John's writings, and once in Luke's writings. That's how the word is used, okay? What, how is it translated? Well, it, it, it's translated uh, in, in many different ways. It's translated as fellowship uh, nine different times. It's translated as participation three times, three times share or sharing, a contribution two times, part one time in partnership one time. And so the root of this is this idea of commonality. So well, if we're going to understand what biblical fellowship is, is that there's a commonality here that we're, we're playing off of, that we're, we're centering around. There's something in common, and that is what has drawn us together here, is this idea of fellowship here. So that's how the New Testament uses it. But as the Bible describes fellowship, there's actually uh, uh, two elements, if you will. There's kind of a, a, a vertical, and then there's also horizontal horizontal element to fellowship. Now the verse for this that you know, I'll put it on the screen here is 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1 it says this, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. You see the vertical and the horizontal elements there? You see that there's the, the horizontal element first so that you can have fellowship with us and then our fellowship is with who? Is with the Father, Jesus, and, and Jesus Christ, his Son. Okay? And so we have both elements here. We have a vertical, we have a horizontal element to this. And the, and the important point is this, is that the vertical element of, 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 of uh, fellowship of us and God, that establishes the horizontal element, okay? So this as a church, when we talk about fellowship here, food may or may not be involved in biblical fellowship, right? Doesn't have to be. Uh, time together is what is important here. Is that, that, that what establishes us together though in this fellowship here as a church, and some churches they call themselves fellowships, this is, this is the idea that we have this commonality in God, okay? So there's the vertical element, that is establishes the horizontal element. But the purpose of this fellowship together, the horizontal element to it, is that it encourages the vertical element. It encourages our fellowship with God. And so that's the reason why, one of the reasons why we gather together. That's one of the reasons why we're a church and we meet together and we sing together and we do scriptures together. We have the Lord's Supper together. All of this is so that we can have this concept of true biblical fellowship. 
And it's this idea that we are centered around Christ. We're centered around God. We're centered around his mission and his message that he has given to us through his word. That's the fellowship that we're seeking after here. Okay? Now, we're not seeking after a commonality about age or demographics. We've talked about that before. We've talked about it, in fact, in... in um, our Sunday school hour beforehand, we talked about how that one of the things that we're grateful for is that in our church, we actually have multi-generations in our church. It's not a, a church that's only young people or only elderly, uh, elderly people. It is, is a multi-generational church. So we don't want to be a fellowship that's around a demographic. We don't want to be a church that's around uh, how we look. We don't want a church around uh, any socioeconomic uh, uh, parameters. Our fellowship here, what determines that is that what brings us together is, is Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know what the gospel is, the gospel is the good news. That's what the word means. It means the good news that Jesus Christ, he came, he lived a perfect life, he died the death that he didn't have to die, he rose again, he satisfied the wrath of God, and then if we believe in him, if we ask him to save us from our sins, if we follow Jesus Christ, if we repent of our sins, then we can have forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel, and that's what draws us together here. Every person sitting here today needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Every one of us. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're on the stage. It doesn't matter if they're sitting here. It doesn't matter if they're downstairs in the children's ministry. It, it means nothing. Every one of us needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what biblical fellowship is about. That's what draws us together. That's why in a church setting, I can actually have conversations with people that I would never have conversations about if it wasn't in a church setting. There, there are things that, that, that God uses to bring people together here in the church because the commonality is about Christ and the gospel and nothing else. It's not about a sports team. I mean, even the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring together Packers and Bears fans, okay? Right? Or Michigan and Ohio State people, right? Because that's not what's important. What's important is Christ. What's important is our relationship with Christ. And we want everyone here to know that you can have that relationship with Christ. And that's why we exist, is so that we can make disciples to the glory of God. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you know, don't think of yourself as, as someone that is, is less. Think of someone that, is, is, that we're pleading with God, that we're pleading that you would come to know us, they're, uh, uh, come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we want. If we want you to join that fellowship, that's one of the reasons why we have church membership is so we're saying, what is our identity here? Next week, Lord willing, we're going to have someone join the church. And so why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because there's a formal partnership, a formal fellowship of coming together here. So the vertical and the horizontal elements of fellowship are crucial to this. And so this is what fellowship is about. about Jesus Christ. It's not about a commonality. It's not about a hobby. It's not about a job. It's not about an age. It's about Christ. That's what biblical fellowship is. Okay, so the question then is how important is it? Well, you're like, well, Jeremy, you've been pretty passionate so far. So, and you're doing a whole sermon on it. So kind of a no-brainer here. Um, you know, it's got to be important, right? Well, yeah, this is one of those questions on the test that you're like, oh, good, I'm glad he asked it because now I'm not going to get them all wrong, okay? You know, at least that's how I take tests. I don't know about you, right? Okay, I got one right. But I still raise the question because I want you to really truly think about it because it's one thing for us to intellectually know the answer, but it's another thing for us to really truly embrace it, okay? It's one thing for us to know what is right, but then it's another thing to actually live it out, Okay. So 
if I were to take a survey here and I would say, okay, how important is biblical fellowship? Most people here probably would say, oh, yeah, it's very important. But as we talk about it, it's like, well, is that a priority in the life then? That's what we're aiming after today to see if it truly is important, okay? So how important is fellowship? Romans chapter 1. Uh, well, first of all, fellowship is central to church life. Uh, I'll, I'll get to Romans 1 in a minute. Fellowship is central to church life. This is where we go to our text. Um, and again, these sermons are going to be a little bit different uh, because it's more of a, a, a topical teaching thing here. But in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, there's our word, to the breaking bread and the prayers. This is what the early church devoted themselves to. Okay, Now, uh, one of the things, and I probably should have put it on the screen, but if you have a bulletin, you'll see it. Uh, our logo, uh, when I came here 10 years ago, uh, I noticed that we were using a couple different logos and different things, and there wasn't you know, continuity with that. So I said, well, let's come up with a new logo. And so I worked with a graphic designer, and we came up with a new logo. And one of the things I wanted is I said, I want somehow four different colors represented in this logo. And the designer says, okay, that's great. Why is that? I said, because of Acts 2.42, the Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, the Breaking Bread, and Prayer. So those are four core elements of the local church. And I want those just to be subtly recognized in our logo. And so that's why you have the four colors in our logo is because it's just as a reminder, probably to only me, but it's a reminder that the Acts 2.42 is what the core, four core elements of local church should be. So it is crucial. It is central to church life. I, I read this recently, and I had to stop and think about it, and I thought, you know, this is true. This is what this person said. They said, the church is the only community that we know of that is formed around the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. And so that's true. You know, our, our, our society is, is all about community, all about, uh, um, you know, being together and, and having a sense of community. And that's a wonderful thing. And I believe one of the reasons why it's important to the world is because it's innate in us to desire community because we're created in the image of God. So even if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're still in the image of God. And so you still desire some of these things that, that God has. And this idea of community is a gift from God. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our design. There's a lot of ways to find or try to find community in this world. In fact, we have a, a, a major race that's going on today, and there's a huge community about the, the Iron Man. And, and, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. So I'm not preaching against Iron Man today. That's not my point. The point is that people try to find community there. Um, I've got friends that have, have done Iron Man, and, and, I, and I applaud their efforts. And, and you know, uh, there's just no way in the world that that's ever going to happen for me. You know, I came to peace with that a long time ago, and I'm okay with it, really. I'm okay. You know, swimming that line, I'm not a great swimmer, so if I'm ever in a boat and it tips, save yourself, I'm dead, okay? All right, I'm not doing that. You know, bike riding, it's wonderful, downhill. Uh, running, uh, or if there's a motor, uh, you know, you know, running, you know, I suppose if a bear is chasing you, um, but, you know, I mean, that's about it for me, okay? Um, you know, it's, but people find great community. People find community in, in, a, in a sports team. People find, find community uh, in a whole host of ways. But you know what? The church is the only community that's formed around the truth of Jesus Christ, that God formed. He formed this community. He said this is where we find our essential 
and primary sense of community should be here. It doesn't mean we can't do some of those other things. Of course. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you could have some great ministry in some of those other communities. This isn't me preaching against those other communities. It's me saying that the primary community, though, is biblical fellowship within the local church. This is what God's given to us, and it's, it's something he's created for our benefit. It is central to church life. There's an evangelistic component to this. John chapter 13, verse 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. Right? This is why we gather together. This is why we bear one another's burdens. It's actually an outpouring of and a proof of our discipleship or our fellowship of Jesus Christ. By, by, by coming together on a weekly basis, by coming together and encouraging one another, by bearing one another's burdens, by uh, uh, investing in one another's lives, this is how we work out this sense of community, this biblical partnership that God has for us. So while other areas are fine to you know, uh, be involved in community, the primary place is the church according to the scriptures. This is why. It says in the early church, they were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to it. Now, they were in a situation where they needed to be devoted to it. It was not popular. At first, when this whole church thing was going on, you know, people were like, well, I think this is just an offshoot of Judaism. And things like this. But as, the, as Christianity grew, the persecution kept getting stronger and stronger. And then, you know, we've done a little bit of study of church history here over different series and things. And we've seen how persecution has just increased over and over throughout history. And even today, we have tremendous amount of persecution of Christians. And yet, the mandate is still be devoted to fellowship. Be devoted to building one another. Be devoted to gathering with one another. Encouraging one another. This is, what, this is why it's important to us because it's, it's central to our church life. The church was devoted to it. But it's also crucial to your spiritual health. Now, this is the thing where a lot of people say, I don't know about that because I see the church and I see some of the people there in the church. And I see some hypocrisy. And I see some people who have done me wrong. And I see some people who are, 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 are not very kind or whatever like this. So I don't know that I would go as far as to say that it is crucial to my spiritual health. I'm going to tell you that it actually is. Because the scriptures teach this. The scriptures teach that our gathering together today in days like this and a weekly gathering is absolutely crucial to our spiritual health. It's the way God's designed it. And you say, well, of course you're going to say that, Jeremy. You're the pastor. I mean, this is kind of like job security for you. You know, right thing? No, that's not the reason why. The reason why is because this is what the Scriptures teach. Romans chapter 1, we see this. He says, For I long to see you, but I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, may we be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, it's interesting that this is on the beginning of one of the greatest theological treatises ever penned, penned by, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul is writing this wonderful letter. He's given it to the churches in Rome, and he's given it to them to read. And yet, what does he say? He says, it's not even enough that I give you this. He says, I long to see you. I long to be with you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now, you say, oh, okay, well, there's the answer. He's the Apostle I'm not, so there's a little bit different category there. Okay, yes, he was an apostle, and we are not. 
But yet, at the same time, notice what he's, he's trying to, he, he clarifies. It's not that he's using some apostolic authority or special giftedness there that only apostles had. He said that is that we may be mutually encouraged. So he brings them into the equation of how he's looking for them to encourage his apostles' heart. So it's not about him playing off the fact, okay, I'm an apostle. I'm going to bring you something that no one else can bring you. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, I'm coming as another brother. I'm coming as a brother in Christ who we need to encourage each other. We need to build each other up. And he said, I need to see you to do that. So it's just a wonderful thing of what we see that this idea of that fellowship is absolutely crucial to your spiritual health. And we've seen the power of this in our church. We've seen it where there's been people who have struggled with sin for years and years and years. And it wasn't until the church was brought in. It wasn't until the church surrounded the individual and the church became aware of this and said, wait a minute here. We've got to surround this individual. We've got to, we got to love this individual. We've got to pray for them. We've got to, we've got to you know, pour into this person that that's when there was finally breakthrough. Is when the church got involved. When the church surrounded. It wasn't, okay, well, the pastors, you know, the, the trained theologian, he's the one that's going to be able to help with this. No, no, no. It's the power of the church fellowship that's coming along. Okay? We've seen it happen here. Be part of that. Don't forsake this for anything else. Don't do that. You have brothers and sisters that are depending on your participation for their good. Be part of that. When we sing together, sing out. It is such an encouragement to our souls to hear people singing. And I will say this, our church sings pretty well. I'm so grateful for that. Such a ministry to me. I, I hope you understand. You know, some people sometimes they'll say, Well, Pastor, you know, I just want to encourage you. You know, what's a way that I can encourage you? You know, honestly, a lot of times, just sing your heart out. You say, well, Jeremy, have you heard me sing? You know, I'm like, Listen, if you're worse than me, then it's going to encourage me. Okay. <laughs> All right. But that's not what this is about. Okay. This is about all of us. Praising God together. So I sit on the front row sometimes. And there are times, I, I got to tell you, there are times where, where the week's been long. It's been difficult. And I'm getting ready to preach a sermon. And I, and, I, and I want to. Have you ever had a thing where you want to, but you just don't feel like you have the energy to do it? Okay? Plenty of times I'm sitting right there. I'm standing right there. And I'm like, okay, I want to do this. This is what I'm called to do. I'm looking for it. I'm grateful for the opportunity. But I just, I feel drained. And then I hear you sing. And then I got all the energy in the world. And you say, well, is this a mystical thing? Nah, I, I don't know what it is. All I know is that there's a fellowship here. And the fellowship has encouraged my soul. Most of the time, you don't even know that you're doing that. And that's the reason why sometimes people give up. is because they don't see the tangible benefit. But let me tell you, if you're raising your voice on Sunday... You're being part of it, okay? Now, 
Should you be doing more? Sure. But the point is, is that the point is, is that this is the fellowship that God has together. It's crucial to our spiritual health. All right. So you influence my spiritual life. I hopefully influence yours. That's what being part of a church is all about. And again, the church is the only community that's formed around the truth. And so as we go through this today, this idea of what is biblical fellowship, please understand that being part of this, this, this gathering together is absolutely crucial to our spiritual health and well-being. It really is. So the question is, is how important is this? That was the question that was raised. And everyone here would say, well, yeah, it's pretty important. You know, there's a verse about it, so it must be, must be important. But if it's truly important to us, then let's make sure we're taking advantage of every opportunity that we have. Okay. And it goes beyond me just talking about this meeting here on Sunday mornings, okay? You know, fellowship is not limited to just our Sunday morning service. That's been kind of an application that I've made here, but don't limit it to that. It's the idea of mutual sharing Christ with each other. This could be in small group. This could be in microgroups. This could be in conversations after the service. This could be throughout the week when the Spirit of God puts one, uh, someone in the church family on your heart. And so you take a minute, write them a note, or send them a, a text or a phone call. Or you just say, hey, I'm praying for you today. Or how can I pray for you today? You know, the Lord brought you to my mind today. And, and I'm grateful for you. I, I see what you do. And, and I'm just grateful for you. But I, I want to know how I can pray for you. Imagine if, if we just had that on a, a consistent basis, what that does to someone's life and someone's encouragement and someone's spiritual health. So I, I've made application about the church gathering here, but it's not only that. Fellowship is more than that. Okay, so there's, I need, to, I need to move on. So that's one of the reasons why it's important, one of the reasons, or a couple reasons why we must prioritize this. The early church was devoted to it. That's why I'm, I'm kind of riffing off of, of, of 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to fellowship here. So the question we need to raise here as, we, as we're considering this topic, what, what would be some common hindrances to fellowship then? Because it doesn't always happen. So what would be some common hindrances that would keep us from doing this? Well, first of all, I'm going I'm to raise three. Uh, first of all, uh, it's difficult. Uh, fellowship is difficult. It, it takes sacrifice. Uh, it takes sacrifice of time. Um, sometimes personalities are, are hard. This is one of the things about, about, about church is that there's different personalities that come together because our, our commonality is Christ. And so sometimes that means that we don't have the same hobbies or we don't have the same, you know, background or something like that. So it, it, sometimes it makes it a little bit more difficult. And so it's, it's easy then to kind of to take a step back and say, well, I just don't have anything in common with these people or, or I, just, I just don't even know anything about them or whatever. Instead of taking time to get to know them or it's maybe too awkward, we just take a step back. So I would be the first to admit that biblical fellowship is difficult. It's not easy. Sometimes we've got to go outside of our comfort zone. Sometimes we have to put aside what we would rather do. We don't, we don't feel like it. We always don't feel like gathering together. We don't feel like having someone to our house. Or we don't feel like intentionally investing in someone else. We, we don't feel like it because we're tired. We've got a lot going on. You're busy people. I'm busy. I get it. I get it. There's just a lot of demands. And it's not even, it's not even like we're busy with sinful stuff. You ever, start, you, ever, you ever get frustrated by that? And it's like, man, I am just spinning my wheels here and I can't figure it out. And you look at how you spend your time. It's like, it's not like I'm binge watching Netflix every night. You know, I mean, what is going on here? 
Maybe there needs to be recalibration, but sometimes we're just in a really crazy season. So to prioritize someone else's needs, to prioritize someone else's spiritual life, you might be just feeling like that's suffocating to you right now. How can you do that? But understand that it's difficult, but what God calls us to do is rarely easy. In fact, I'll tell you this. And sometimes the last thing we feel like doing is making the extra effort to, to gather together or, or be with one another. But I'll tell you this is that we typically do not desire what is best for us. Okay? The thing that we want the most often is not what is best for us. Say, so, I don't know about that. Prove it. Glad you asked. Okay? Let's talk about food. Okay? The things that we desire the most are rarely best for us. Would you agree with that about food? I would. There's a standing rule in the Scott household. It, it's, just, it's non-negotiable. As the Medes and the Persians as it is. If I enter Costco, I leave with a bag of Doritos. Okay? <laughs> Best $7 you'll ever spend, okay? I mean, the thing is huge, right? Okay, the thing is massive. And it's wonderful, right? Okay, I mean, that's just the rule. Like, we go in there, kids know, you know, I mean, there it is. And it's like, do we need another bag? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course we do. I mean, you know, do we need to breathe? Yes, of course, okay? All right, so there it is. Now, are Doritos what's best for me? Okay, don't get personal, okay, all right. <laughs> No, it's not, right? The point is, is that the things that we desire the most are the things that are rarely what's best for us, okay? And I'll say this, the things, and the opposite is true, the things that are best for us are the things that we typically desire the least. We don't feel like doing, okay? And here's the thing, is that the things that, here's the other thing, is that when we indulge in the thing that we want the most and it's not best for us, it leaves us dissatisfied, okay? You say, man, I am tired, I am going to, I just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sleep in and I'm going to sleep in as long as I can today because it has been a crazy time. And the only thing that sounds good to you is sleeping in. And so you sleep in until noon and then you're like, you know, whatever, uh, I'm just going to just lay in bed for a while. I mean, you just spend all day in bed. How do you feel at the end of that day? You just feel awful, right? Or it's like, I just want to watch this episode, okay, this, this show. And then so you're watching, it's on Netflix or something, and then it, it pops up, and then you have this crisis decision, next episode loading. And you're watching it, and you have this decision thing like, eh, do I cancel, do I not cancel? Oh, it already started. <laughs> you know, I have to watch it now. And then there's another. And, there's another, and then it, that's what just sounds so good. I just want to shut the world out, and I just want to watch my favorite episode, an episode, an episode, an episode. And so next thing you know, it's 2, 3 in the morning. And then you're like, oh, i got to work in the morning. So what sounded great leaves us dissatisfied. Okay, here's this principles. This is the reason why the church was devoted to fellowship because sometimes they didn't feel like it. Sometimes it was difficult. But they said, no, this is going to be something we're going to be devoted to. And so we're going to do it even if we don't feel like it. There's plenty of times we have to do things that we don't feel like doing. But when it comes to gathering together, fellowshipping with one another, encouraging one another, that should be a non-negotiable because it is what's best. 
It's what's best for the church mission and our individual uh, uh, our spiritual growth here. Okay, so, um, so fellowship is difficult. What's another reason? Another reason for this. Uh, radical individualism kills fellowship. What do I mean by that? Well, the philosophy of our culture is to think and make decisions for the benefit of the individual rather than for the collective. Uh, that's the world that we live in right now, uh, the, the, the rise and triumph of the individual. Of We make decisions based on, on, on what is best for me rather than what's best for the group or the collective here. But Proverbs chapter 18 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So this is the idea of, of saying, you know what, I... I, I I'm fine with me reading my Bible. I'm fine with me praying. I'm fine with me spending my time with God. And I just don't need other people, you know, involved in my life. You know, I, I just, I don't like people, you know. I mean, uh, type of thing, just, just you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with God, me, Bible, we're good. John Wesley said, he said, there is nothing uh, more unchristian than the solitary Christian. That's what John Wesley said. He's right, because we're not designed to be alone. We're not designed to be all by ourselves. We are designed in the image of God, in the nature of the triune God, for community and community with other believers. And so while it's difficult, there's times where we just got to push against the, the radical individualism of the day that says, you know what, it's all about me today. It's all about me right now. Now, do you need to make decisions that is, is helpful and good? Of course, but sometimes, in fact, often, in fact, the Bible talks about the way of discipleship, the way of the cross is to do what? We deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow him. So the question is, maybe this is a good exercise for you to do. How are you denying yourself? What are you denying yourself? That's a path of discipleship. And usually a lot of times the first things that go are other people. It's like, you know, I just don't have bandwidth for other people right now. And are there times where you need some solitude? Absolutely. Jesus did that. I'm not preaching against that. But what I am saying is that if that's the pattern of your life, you're missing out on the importance of biblical fellowship here. So radical individualism. I need to move on. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this before this. Uh, a little side note here. Individualism is fed when one's reality is shifted to a screen. Meaning if my reality is through a sports team or my identity is through uh, a, an episode or a TV show or something like that, or if it was moved to an online presence or something like that, that just becomes all about the individual. Because then I'm in control of everything and what people see about me. But, but, if I, but if I shift it to in-person meetings and gatherings and beating together, then all of a sudden it's not about only me. It's about them and me and uh, the collective we. So the radical individual is killing fellowship. But then there's one other thing, uh, you know, bitterness, uh, anger, uh, it's just sin in general. Uh, those are things that cripple fellowship. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, and that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Okay? There's an example of someone making a decision for something that sounded right in a moment, but left him extremely dissatisfied, by the way. 
But here we have this idea of the, the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, be careful about anger. Be careful about bitterness coming up because that is going to seriously hinder God's work of grace. And so here we have this in, in, in the context of the church here because he, this is the context he's writing to. So here we have this is that if, if we allow bitterness or we allow anger to, to fester in our souls, that's going to seriously hinder the fellowship that we have with one another because we're going to want to isolate ourselves. We're going to want to not be around people. Um, and so, so that, then, uh, and that's the idea of bitterness. We just want to see people. But then there's the idea if we're just allowing sin to rule our hearts, then we don't want to be around other Christians because we're afraid that, that someone's going to find out. And we, we, uh, we feel like a hypocrite, and so we stay away. That's one of the things that, you know, I've talked to people over the years in ministry. People say, well, you know, I'm just struggling with this sin, and I didn't want to be a hypocrite and come to church and everything, so I'm not there. It's like you're missing the exact place where you need to be right now, is that you need to be gathering together, not so that people can make you feel bad, not so that people can look down on you, because that's not the point. But the point is that you need the reminder of God's forgiveness. You need the reminder of God's grace. You need the reminder that you can move past these things in the book because of what Christ did on the cross for you. You need this. You don't need to stay away from it. You don't need to isolate yourselves from Christians who have the hope of the gospel in them. You need to be with them. You need to be leaning on them and learning from them. That's what we need. But sin kills us. It, it just absolutely isolates us from what we should be doing in this idea of biblical fellowship here. So there's some hindrances. We got one more point we're going to go through quickly here as we talk about, okay, how do we foster this here? So we've looked at what it is, how important is it, what are some things that, that really hinder it, now how do we foster it as we uh, round third base and head towards home this morning here? How do we foster it? First of all, uh, we have to embrace a biblical view of the church. So do you truly see fellowship as central to the church's life and mission? Do you see fellowship as critical for your spiritual growth? See, if, you, if you're saying, yeah, I don't think so, well, then you're not going to be committed to biblical fellowship. And that's a conversation maybe we can have. That's a conversation that I would love for you to, or, or a topic I'd love for you to dive into. I'd love for you to look at the scriptures and see, okay, why is fellowship not crucial or central to the church's life and mission? Or why is it not crucial to your spiritual life? I think you'll find that the New Testament consistently teaches that this is what is helpful to us. So we have to embrace a biblical view of the church. So I remember years ago, Several years ago, it was here, I can't remember when, I remember giving uh, an illustration of the church, some metaphors, and I'm going to bring them up. I can't remember when I did this, but uh, I, I remember asking you, the church here, to say, okay, how do you view the church? Do you view it as uh, one of these three metaphors? Is it a drive through uh, where um, you go through, and grab your food, and go? You don't even get out of the car. It's like it's the beauty of drive through is that you go around, except for the wonky drive through at McDonald's here in Verona. You've got to lap the building a couple times, which is weird. But, you know, but other than that, you know, other than that, you, you drive through and you, you get your food, you pay your money, and you have a really quick interaction, and then you're on the road and you're back again. Some, that's how some people view church, okay? I'm going to stop in. I'm going to get my food. I'm going to maybe put a little money in the plate, and I'm going to go on or in the box, and I'm gone, okay? All right? That's one view. Another view is like, well, what about like a, is a sit-down restaurant, okay, where you come in, it's a little bit more of a time. And so you come with some friends, and you sit down, and you have a nice meal. Uh, people serve you. It's really nice. You don't have to do dishes. Uh, you leave a good tip, of course. And then you get up, and then you move on with life, okay? That's the second metaphor. 
So it's a drive-thru, it's a sit-down restaurant. The third one, or is it like your family Thanksgiving dinner? Everyone's bringing something. People are up working early before the gathering. You know, there's going to be some fun times. You're just really hoping, you're just really hoping that, you know, Aunt Gertrude doesn't bring that dish that she thinks everyone loves, but no one does, you know. And then she does, and so you got to eat it, you know. And then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta clean up afterwards, and everyone's talking for, it, and everyone hangs around for a while, and it's just a great day. Maybe you watch some football. It's just, it's just a great day of being together as family. Okay, how? What metaphor is church to you? I'm not asking which one best describes what church really is. I'm asking how do you view church? Does somebody just kind of pop in and pop out? Not really too involved. You, you, you hit the service, and that's about it. Is it something that's like, well, you know, you sit down with family because it's important and everything, but everyone else is doing all the work and then you're sleeping? Or is it, no, this is our family. And love it, like it, there's positives, there's negatives. We're all part of it because we're around Jesus Christ. You see, this is how we foster fellowship here is when we see it how God intends the church to be. God intends church is to be a family. God intends the church to be a family for us to serve together and work together in. So how do we foster it? Embrace a biblical view of the church. I would also say we need to just keep showing up to serve, build, support each other in the name of Christ. What I mean by that is keep showing up. Be consistent. Uh, don't leave your family if at all possible. One of the things that I think is, is it makes it difficult when people leave a church, and there's good reasons to leave a church, no doubt, but one of the things that makes it difficult is because it feels like, wait a minute here, We've been pouring into this person, and we've been depending on this person. They've been pouring into us, and all of a sudden, they're gone. And often, without even a word, they just decide to go someplace. And it's like, well, wait a minute here. Why did you stop? I mean, this was, this was something that, that we had a, a relationship here. This isn't, you know, you decided not to be on the swim team anymore. This is, this is, this is crucial to our spiritual well-being here. Again, there are good reasons to leave a church. I'm not saying there's not. But it should be something that we're, we're really cautious about because of how God designed the church for us here. So serve, build up, support one another all in the name of Christ. And then I'll say this as, as I bring this to a close. We need to utilize, if we're going to foster um, biblical fellowship, utilize as many on-ramps to fellowship as possible. We have corporate gatherings like this. We have small groups. We have micro groups that we're talking about. We have ministry teams, uh, day-to-day Holy Spirit-prompted interactions. These are all ways that we should be fostering biblical uh, fellowship here within our church. And so take advantage of as many as you can. You can't probably do them all. I get it. Um, but start with the primary one, the gathering together, and then work your way out from there on. Be part of a small group, micro group, ministry teams, all those types of things. That's a way to foster biblical fellowship. So I guess what I'm asking us to do today is in the Sunday seminary message is just consider what keeps you possibly from biblical fellowship. Are you taking advantage of all the on-ramps that we have? Why uh, or why not? Um, Invite people over to your house. Get together with other people.